0: Hi, Mets fans, and welcome to this week's edition of Mason Avenue Audio, the official podcast for SB Nation New York Mets site, Mason Avenue. I'm your host Jeffrey Nostro, and with me this week is Greg Carim. Greg, former New York Met, and Rob Castellanos' Bay, Jordani Valdespin, released a music video last week for his single "Papa Valdi." If you could have any New York Met release a, a single slash music video. Who would it be and in what genre of music would you like to see them release that single?
1: Well I, I'm not going for someone who I actually think would be good. I'm just going for comedy's sake here, obviously. And uh I think that
0: Duda rapping I feel like Lucas Duda is the answer to every question I ask related to this theme, it's no matter what the topic is.
1: It's just because he's, he's kind of like this big, you know, goofy guy. and
0: There was a picture of him. I think you know, Adam Rubin tweeted it out from Adam Rubin Studios. Him just like signing autographs before a game. It just looked like it was like the highlight of his day. He just had this completely like, blank expression on his face. Like he wasn't angry that he had to. He didn't look frustrated. He wasn't happy. It was just he had like the dude a thousand yard stare going on. That's like this perpetual look.
1: Dude, he would probably be a good poker player.
0: Yeah, we sort of see like Lucas Duda like in sort of the Trevor Bauer school of rapping, maybe. i it he had really good flow, like he's like, like LP or Aesop Rock. It's possible, you know, what the kids are listening to. He's, he's a Southern California guy, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. We went to USC.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, could see it. It's just I just I got to find a question where the answer can't be Lucas Duda, I guess.
1: Yeah,
0: it's the way to go. Um, I guess you sort of Bobby Parnell, Kirk Nuenhuis, and Vic Black as like a ZZ Top tribute band. Mm. Well, I guess there was the one guy in ZZ Top that didn't have a beard, right?
1: I don't know. I thought that was kind of their thing.
0: Well, there's the two of them that had really long beards. I thought one guy didn't have a beard, or had a shorter beard. I guess Nuenhuis' beard isn't out of control. It's a strong beard. I can see Henry Mejia doing, like, a, if it was the 90s, he sort of cashes in on the stomp with, like, a novelty song related to the stomp. Mm. Like a how to do the stomp. Sort of like a, Toto Finds, one of those, like, club dance move, club, like, dance move kind of songs. Yeah, I can see that. Like the Cha-Cha Slide, or what's it, Cotton Eye Joe, or whatever. I worked in a in a bowling alley, for like, during, like, Glow Bowling, Karaoke Night, DJ in the mid-2000s, so there's a lot of Cotton Eye Joe and a lot of Cha-Cha Slide. And a lot of Soulja Boy Tellem. A lot of those. For, like, the tweens and teens and attendance. So something sort of in that genre, but Mejia doing the stomp, I could see it being uh, entertaining. And then for no reason, like, or Similia does the rap breakdown in the middle. Kind of the way I see it in my head, I guess.
1: Yeah, that could work.
0: I don't know if I've ever actually heard Familia speak. I, I can't. The only words I've know, like and I know for a fact he said is uh, I'm Familia to Ted Berg. That's all I know. Yes. <laughs> and to like the security guard at uh, spring training a couple of years ago. It was the same words both times. I mean they must have interviewed him. I know uh, who's the guy that replaced uh McCall at the Star Ledger. So his name's escaping me now. Yeah. uh, I I follow him on Twitter, too. But I feel like he did a a fairly long in-depth piece on Familia last spring, I think. No, it doesn't. None of this is helpful. This episode 109 of Amazing Avenue Audio. And it's going to be a pretty quiet one. We, of course, have our catching preview. And your weekly Swedish soccer update. I'm going to throw in Sheffield Wednesday this week, too, because that was also fun. But this week, we're going to kick things off with your emails. It's an upside-down, topsy-turvy episode of Amazing Avenue Audio. Also because your emails fairly uh, covered the same ground I would have covered like in the other news segment anyway so well well, sean specifically covered everything i was going to cover in the first third of the show so i don't see a reason to uh, repeat myself as always you can email the podcast at podcast at amazing dot com. and our first email is from sean dear jeff and not rob longtime listener and friend of the program here where is rob not that chris cypress hill mcshane we're gonna take a break here if we have to discuss this for a second this already came up on our internal like podcast discussion thread, but what's with the Cypress Hill nickname for Chris? Did like, we, like, is he confusing it with the Joey Ramone thing from our like one of our early iTunes reviews? Maybe were they both on a Lollapalooza tour at one point? I know they've both been guests on The Simpsons.
1: It's got to be the the insane, the,
0: insane insane the insane and the insane in the Mick Shane. Yeah, no, I refuse to acknowledge that. As a thing. Alright, fine. Not that Chris, Cypress Hill, McShane, Greg, or Steve are not worthy co-hosts, but I kind of miss Rob's counterpoints and TC patronizing getting you riled up on the show. Look, if you're following at underscore Robcast on Twitter, you got plenty of that this week. So, you don't need a... Uh...
1: He comes with the strong opinions
0: on the. On yes, Twitter. he does. He has some hot takes and hot tweets. Hot. Not calling the rest homers, but double ellipsis. I guess you're a homer, Craig. I guess. guess
1: guess The biggest criticism is that I agree with you too much, I guess.
0: That is one of the, yeah. That's fair. We'll see if uh, we can disagree on any of Sean's points. Anyway, a couple frustrating points perhaps you can make sense of. These are too long to be quick hits, but I guess we'll take them one at a time. One, what is the point of not pitching Harvey on opening day or at least the home opener? Yes, this falls in the who cares column, I guess, but still, why piss the guy off? Sandy and Jeff's long con to justify us fans the reason he walks in 2019. If the point was to limit starts to innings at the beginning of the year, wouldn't you just pitch him when you first needed a fifth starter? Starting him the third day of the season has virtually no mathematical likelihood of limiting his innings at all. We all know he's the best pitcher we have, so from a competitive standpoint, shouldn't we just let him pitch? It seems like a typical Mets half measure. So Bartolo Colon is the opening day starter in Washington. Jacob deGrom is the home opener starter against I don't even remember, the Phillies? Sound right? It's, yeah, it's the Phillies. Alright. And Matt Harvey will pitch the third game of the season, and this will also pitch the second home game of the season. And Sandy Alderson came out today, we're recording this on Tuesday night, and said that there's at least some financial considerations for that, being that the home opener is already guaranteed, I guess not guaranteed to be a sellout. because they were trying to sell me tickets in one of their email blasts. Uh, this week, but the second game is likely to be what, like a Tuesday night game in April?
1: It is a Tuesday night game
0: in April. Yeah. So, not games buy that tickets.
1: I did buy tickets to that game.
0: Yeah. So you're already uh, you got you uh you are a homer. You just took you took it hook, line, and sinker, basically.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't, couldn't go on opening day, so I really wanted to try to be there for. Harvey's first came back because I think it's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I guess it worked on me, but it worked out to my benefit as far as I'm concerned. So I'm actually I was hoping for this scenario the whole time. I mean, as far as you know, giving a shit about this, um, it's not really that big a deal. Obviously, uh, you know, forget about it you know, a couple of days into the season. The only thing that makes me think that maybe they should have done it um, and given him the, the opening game is that there was a day off after opening day could have given him, you know, the extra day of rest, um, you know, rather than having him pitch on the, on the fifth day, um, from the second start. So that'd be the only reason, but you know, you know it's, it, it's just funny that there's a lot you know, they're doing these kinds of shenanigans, um, especially with, you know, admitting that they want to goose the sales for the second home game, um, by putting Harvey there, it's just... It just underscores, you know, the the whole financial situation,
0: which is kind of sad. I don't know. On most teams, would Matt Harvey be the opening day starter even coming off Tommy John's surgery? I think so. Um, I know the back pages obviously made hay out of Bartolo Colon being the opening day starter, but it's really not the end of the world. And really, the, the first start Matt Harvey makes this season isn't nearly as important to me as the 32nd start, because that means he made 32 starts. That's true. But I, I, Greg Prince tweeted something out like, "Yeah, we all know that this doesn't really matter." But you know, opening day is kind of there's a sense of occasion, and it's supposed to be special, and it's supposed to sort of be the, you know, the first salvo of Mets baseball after a very long and cold winter, and so there is something to being the sort of the first, the sort of first. Uh, Memory of the season being Matt Harvey, I think.
1: It would have been fun, for sure.
0: But no, it's not an innings limit thing. It's not a competitive thing. I mean, I guess if you really want to, like, you know, sort of game it, you could argue starting our fifth best starter first, if you think Colon's the fifth best starter, but he's somewhere in that. Probably third to fifth best starter range. You're, you know, giving yourself an advantage four out of five days theoretically because you're starting your four best pitchers against some teams, four worst pitchers, ideally. Now that usually falls by the wayside with different teams having different days off and rainouts and and whatnot. But
1: what do what do you think is the number one reason they're not starting him on opening day?
0: Um, they're not starting him on like the if they started him on opening day. He'd make two road starts before he made the first home start. I do think there is something to, that they're going to try to get him to start at home as much as possible. Um, and I think part of it too is they're probably worried he's a little going to be a little amped up, which I think is complete bollocks because he was throwing ninety eight in spring training games. <laughs> there's just, there's one setting here. Yeah,
1: I don't. I mean, the the ticket thing is, is pretty interesting uh, because, and also I don't I don't buy the whole you know juiced up thing uh you know too amped up because he's gonna be pitching the first you know night game at at city field so he's gonna be amped up either way
0: how many tickets so how many ticket sales do you think they're adding by starting him on that tuesday night game i
1: don't know a couple thousand
0: i think that's probably about right because it's still a tuesday night game regardless you're gonna take a big hit it's not like it's not a team this is a team that's not drawn well on weekday nights in april and may the last few years at all
1: Right, And it's a pain in the ass to get out there, especially if you live in the suburbs or whatever, you have to drive, you have to park. You know, now everybody's, I can just hop on the subway and go out there. It's not good, It's not as convenient. The
0: 7 train actually, I guess it's a weekday, so the 7 train's actually running. It's only the weekends yeah. they don't run. I don't, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you're one to revel in the narrative of the Mets last few years, it certainly plays into that.
1: Sure, the perpetual LOL Mets.
0: Yeah, they're goosing the schedule to, you know, draw a couple extra thousand fans to a home game because they need the money. Because they're broke. They do. do. The same day the Dodgers are spending $60 million on an infielder that might need Tommy John surgery, (laughs) who's never played professional baseball in the U.S. If Murphy is hurt to start the season, we all believe Dilson Herrera is the heir apparent. Why isn't he playing with the big club? Getting him a few more weeks with the big club and sending him down when Murph gets back is a perfectly acceptable thing normal teams do when they have established starter and a blue chip prospect. We didn't want to expose Dilson. Why did we bring him up in September in the first place? It just doesn't make any sense to me to start guys lower on the depth chart like Danny Mono, simply based on the pre- premise that he might become a 26-year-old utility infielder someday. It's a service time thing, hasn't he already accrued some? So, I am less annoyed by, and I like Dilson Herrera. I think Dilson Herrera will be the 2016 opening day Mets second baseman. I think you'll see him a fair amount this year. For this, in this particular situation, assuming the Daniel Murphy hamstring thing is a two to four week kind of thing. So, you'll see Murphy, you know, April 20th or so. Wilson Herrera needs some AAA time. And I don't think disrupting that, given that they have better short-term options, and I'm, we'll get to Danny Mono, but I'm, I'm Matt Reynolds specifically, even Ruben Tata. You know, as far as covering those two weeks go, I'd rather give Herrera like a, a normal spring, send him to Vegas, let him get his feet under him. I I think he could handle it for two weeks. Certainly three weeks i mean he, he acquitted himself fairly well now could he have forced the issue if he hit like mono and reynolds in spring for all that's worth which is nothing yeah probably and he didn't have a, a good spring in the whatever 20 plate appearances he probably got so that doesn't bother me danny mono making the team over matt reynolds and again we're getting into sort of things terry collins does in march territory though terry collins also likes matt reynolds who is a baseball player it says so on all the scouting reports he read probably because they were baseball scouting reports. Um, that's a little... And look, Danny is having a great spring. Let's... Uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it.
1: He's playing well. Yeah, He's playing good defense. Getting on base. That's what he does. I mean, I don't know about the defense part, but he's looked Not well. so much the defense. He's looked well, especially... He's made a couple nice plays at third base. Um... I think to the to the point where you know why did they bring him up in September? They, there was a explanation that was thrown out there. I think I think Ruben had it. Um, and someone said that they were going to have to add him to the forty man anyway, so they figured you know they needed somebody and they were going to you know they had to add him to the forty, so they put him on the forty and brought him up rather than adding Bruno or Reynolds to the forty and bringing them up.
0: Yeah, and it's like he accrued like three days of service time, technically, because September doesn't count. But, and even he was up for two weeks, it's not like they wouldn't get that back. Right. The extra year of control, at least, if not Super 2, um, after Murph came back up. So it's just really not.
1: I'll disagree with you, though. I think that, you know, Herrera probably should be the guy. Uh, I mean, at least on my, my own internal depth chart. I mean, he would be the next guy up. I, I, I'm a Mono guy. I like Mono. I like Reynolds, too. But I, I don't necessarily think that they have the kind of upside that Herrera does or could have in you a know, short short burst there. So it's, it's a little you – know, I mean, it's not like they wouldn't get, gain back you know any service time that he may accrue uh, while he's up either because you know, Murph's going to come back and they're going to send the, whoever it is down. Um, and if he played well, you know, maybe maybe somebody else goes down. You know, maybe maybe Tahada goes down. You know, so I don't know.
0: I mean, think I think that. there is something to sort of you know Reynolds and Mono certainly if they profile in the major leagues profile more as a utility type, so those guys are easier to sort of push back into a lesser role after Murph back or even send down. Uh, I think there is something as far as Mono goes. You know, he was Rule Five eligible, and they didn't really consider adding him, and no one really considered picking him. You know, was, does thirty-five good spring training at bats change that? And look, I don't. I've always had a soft spot for Danny Mono. You know, I saw him you know, all the way back in two thousand eleven in Brooklyn. Two thousand eleven is that right? Yeah, that's right. So it's not like. I don't like the guy. I do, I, I, you know, but I like him in the way I like Josh Satin. Not as much, obviously. Let's say you know, it's a whole different ball game there. But I mean, he's that kind of fringy player, and he I
1: mean, the, 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 he could be an underdog story who could play, uh, you know, get a bat to the major league.
0: Right. It's a good player development story. with was a ten thousand dollars senior sign. You know, sort of a prove it at every level kind of guy, um, but. His defense at second base has gone backwards, almost to the point where it's certainly behind Reynolds. Uh, I don't think he'll make enough contact at the major league level. I think good fastballs, better breaking stuff are going to eat him up from both sides of the plate. Reynolds at least is the guy that you know for two weeks he'll he'll hit a little bit. He'll probably be a pretty good defender at second. That's the kind of guy that can the kind of guy you hold down a roster spot because what you're really looking for from the Murphy replacement is someone that's not going to kill you for two weeks because this team has very thin margins on offense. And I think Reynolds is more likely to, and not that Reynolds has hit the spring too, because he certainly has, but he's more likely to, you know, luck into two weeks of hitting 320 than Danny Mono was in terms of holding down the fort.
1: I think Reynolds has tremendous bust potential this year, especially after the spring. I mean, it is, the hype on him has gotten a little, a little, a little out of hand, and especially given the type of season that he had last year. I mean, this is this is a guy who, in Double A last year, had an ISO under under a hundred.
0: He doesn't hit for power, but neither does yeah. Mono, really.
1: No, that's true.
0: I mean, his he spring was... training, his last like week in spring training aside, basically immediately after. I said on the podcast last week, they didn't have enough game power. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? But this is very much, this kind of smacks me as sort of like the Jerry Manuel Jerry Manuel looking at like John Mallow as a potential be- bench piece. And then 18 months later, John Mallow being in the Can Am League.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Mono's got a little bit more staying power <laughs> than that. Yeah, At least Mono, Mono can draw a walk and get on base.
0: That's yeah, he's an approach. So did John Malo. Malo is a better defender and could play the outfield. I'm just saying. Three, if we are halfway through the season, we are in the hunt, and Steven Matz is motherfucking his way through the minors, this is going to follow me forever, isn't it? But our left-handed relief situation is still dire. Is there any chance we bring him up for the pen? No, 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 no. We're going to limit his innings anyway. If he's one of the 12 best pitchers we got, isn't that the perfect solution? Winning teams do this all the time. Thanks for the entertaining my thoughts this week. This pod makes a long Long Island commute, cheerful once a week. He wants the great work. Ole Hickory. So, so I got some questions here too. Who gives themselves the name Ole Hickory? It's not like a nickname you get, like unless you were born in like a nineteenth-century log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> there a backstory to that? I'm I, I'm intrigued. We'll get to the Stephen Matz thing in a second. Beyond my, you know, twelve or thirteen nose. Um, but I'm just I'm curious about this now. I mean, it was Andrew Jackson's nickname, wasn't it?
1: Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> Old Hickory.
0: Actually, he spelled it O L E, so it might be Ole Hickory, which is, that just, that uh, asks more questions than it answers, really, I think. So, yeah, I mean, okay. So, I should, to be fair to Sean, he didn't suggest even Matt's be like in the opening day bullpen. No. This I is mean, more of like a Trevor Rosenthal, Carlos Martinez kind of plan.
1: Yeah. Which I don't think is unreasonable at all. I mean, if the team's in contention, it's late in the season. You know, he's going to be bumping up against an innings limit or whatever, and he's he's having a really good year. I mean,
0: I think if all those yeah, things are true, you'll see him in the majors as a starter before then. But maybe.
1: But you know, if let's say everything works out the way we all want it to work out, you know, with our starting rotation, you know, maybe he won't. You know, say say Syndergaard, you know replaces g and then everybody pitches above average and it's good you
0: know yeah sure it's yeah happen. sure it's, it's not gonna happen now we can't have nice things but no okay that's that's fair i'll i'll walk it back a little bit this isn't like a, i want to win now not three years from now kind of thing um but i just i think you're gonna see matt sooner rather than later because he is as i've said before on the podcast and as sean mentioned a motherfucker and you're gonna see him as a starter Yeah, Um, and I'm just—I think the danger there is sort of like casting him as a loogie. If you're going to bring him up to be like a setup man or like a two-inning, you know, like the the raised it with David Price when he first came up, I think that's fine. I think you know, thinking he's going to come in to get Freddie Freeman out is a whole nother ball of wax.
1: I'm only for it if they're in contention and they can use an arm. Yeah. In, in the pen. because a guy like that I mean we've seen his stuff
0: and he likes to spend he's he's the kind of guy that if I didn't think he was going to be a good major league starter he has sort of the mentality to be a late inning reliever sure you know, could he be their Brandon Finnegan this year yeah it's certainly possible yeah, yeah. our next email does not really have anything to do with Current events, but we said we we're doing the email segment first. So we're gonna we're gonna answer this as well. It's from Jared. Hi, my name is Jared. And I'm from Albany, New York. You guys may have covered this. Uh, you may, guys may have already covered this. say this I'm new to the podcast, I've not found the time to go back and listen to all hundred plus plot podcasts. Please don't do that, <laughs> Jared. This isn't up and in. Uh, you don't need to be a point nine er. It's cool. Welcome aboard. Uh, if the Mets had an old timers' day, who would you like to see play? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Do you want to do a quick starting nine? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Might as well go around the go uh, around the horn. Yeah. So, I th- I think with all timers day, there's a certain amount you have to. They still have to be able to kind of hack it a little bit, at least a little right.
1: bit. Well, yeah, you don't want an old guy going out there and you know breaking his femur or something.
0: Though I feel like Ed Charles, even though he's like in his late seventies, could still probably flash a little leather out there. He's always like at the, uh, like the Mets Hall of Fame inductions, and every year I think this dude does not look nearly as old as he actually is.
1: Well. So where, where do you want to start? I mean obviously catcher you're gonna go with uh, Mike Piazza, right?
0: Sure, yeah. Mike Piazza gets like the he gets the Jeter Ed Charles is eighty-one. Jesus. Yeah. That doesn't sound right at all. He looks like he's in like his late sixties. Um yeah, Mike Piazza, he gets like the he's like the I guess it's not the Jeter. Who's the last guy out at Yankees old timers day now anyway?
1: Uh, it's really not.
0: Yeah, I know. I I've caught a few of them. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, he's the last guy out, sort of, to get the big pop from the crowd. But, yeah, Piazza behind the plate, certainly. I mean,
1: Keith at first?
0: Yeah, probably. Could, Keith would probably take it a little too seriously.
1: But all the better.
0: Uh, probably Fonzie at second? Yeah. yeah. F- I mean, he was still, like, hitting 260 in winter ball as a quote-unquote 39-year-old a few years ago, so... You know, he's coaching. He's still doing infield instruction. He's, I saw him at the Futures game a couple of years ago. He'd keep himself in pretty good shape. He could definitely still acquit himself ball. well. Uh, Ray Ordone is at shortstop. Still probably a better defender than Wilmar Flores today.
1: Yep. Um, third base.
0: Hojo? I think it's got to be Hojo. Oh yeah,
1: Hojo. I don't know if he's
0: that. on great terms with the organization. Mm-hmm. I know he's in the Mariners... Uh, He's a Mariners minor league hitting instructor manager. Yeah,
1: he'll he's, come back
0: for this. I think he'll come back for the old timers day, yeah. yeah. So Hojo at third. The outfield. Strawberry? Yeah, you have Daryl. that so you get into like, the Daryl or Piazza last guy out kind of uh, quandary there.
1: No, nah, I mean, Piazza's... You think? I think
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. People forget how good they're. I mean, you just look at their Mets career. You know, Strawberry won a World Series too.
1: Right, but I, everybody loves Strawberry. But you've got he's got such a Yankee association too with him, so it just I guess kinda dampers it a little, A little.
0: A Mookie in center, I assume. Yeah. And left. I the Mets have had great left fielders.
1: I was thinking Kevin McReynolds.
0: Yeah, I, think, I feel like he's just. Eh, he's probably fishing somewhere. I don't think he's really going to come back for that. He always seemed like the guy that kind of. He has that sort of air about him where baseball was more of a job. And I liked Ke- I loved Kevin McReynolds when I was a kid, but I'd love to have him back for this. But, I mean, he really hasn't. You don't ever see him. No. Sort of involved in these kind of things, so. Or around the team at all, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously this is skewing more recent and stuff, but, uh... Um,
0: well, you, they gotta kinda be able to...
1: Right, they still gotta be able to hack it. I mean, we could, put, uh...
0: Benny Agbayani. Oh, he, be he might be, like, 500 back. pounds now. <laughs> I mean, he
1: was, he was playing in Japan not too long
0: ago. That's true, yeah.
1: And, uh, we could always get Cliff Floyd out there.
0: Oh, Cliffy baby, yeah, and left. I feel like we are definitely, because of our age, skewing a little, uh... Oh,
1: yeah, I, I, I can't remember... Anybody beyond my consciousness.
0: Ricky? Ricky and left? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ricky has to be involved somehow, I feel like, just because it's Ricky. He can be playing and, cards in the club. After. Yeah, another guy that probably would take it too seriously. Uh, you know, like Ronso Boda is probably too old.
1: I saw Ricky. He was in uniform uh, for the A's at uh, his spring training doing something.
0: Does not surprise me at all. Bernard Gilkey. Yeah.
1: Hey,
0: pitchers pitching is is tough.
1: Well, you can get like, uh, I mean, they're not going to be throwing 90 miles an hour. But no,
0: certainly. Like, I'm sure Doc would come back for yeah, it. You can
1: get Doc out there. You can get Al Leiter out there. Yeah.
0: John Franco, probably.
1: John Franco. Johan, whenever he retires. For sure lob it over with
0: his right hand, underhand. Pedro, just to have Pedro there. Yeah, that'd be fun. I think since uh, Keith and Ronnie should be involved in it, they could just have Pedro in the uh, commentary booth with Gary <laughs> doing color for it, and that would be worth the price of admission alone. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that we're forgetting.
0: I mean, oh, sure. I mean, we could do two full. I mean, you yeah. usually do two full roster. You can do, like, Raphael Santana or
1: I'm sure
0: Lenny Dykes would come if he yeah, yeah, his ankle bracelet gonna allow him to uh <laughs> come with go him that him far himself. from yeah. Okay, this is a very eighties and nineties skewed kind of a list, but I would I'd buy a ticket to that. Sure. So those are your emails. Email the podcast at podcast at It's time to do our catching preview. And weirdly, this week, before we do the catching preview, we do housekeeping. It's Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 109. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation, New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. Find us on the internet at amazingavenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at amazingavenue. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash avenue fans. Find the podcast on iTunes, just search for Amazing Avenue audio, and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. You can also find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com/Amazing Avenue, or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post at Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. My co-host this week is Greg Caram. You can find him on Twitter at Greg Caram. That was the housekeeping. This is your catching preview. So Travis Darnell we'll start there. Healthy? Seemingly. Hit some balls in yeah. spring. Didn't throw some guys out in spring. I let Chris talk a little bit about him last week, and we had an email about him last week, so we're covering... At least I would be covering a lot of the same ground. So what's your impressions, Greg, of Travis Darnell, and specifically Travis Darnell's 2015?
1: You know, uh, everybody... Is looking at that second half, and they're they're getting all excited about.
0: It was a good second half.
1: Yeah, it was a good second half, and and it also fit nicely with you know the a, a narrative where he went down to AAA. Wally
0: Backman fixed his swing. Yeah,
1: uh, I'm actually of the mind that it seemed to me that Darnell was trying to do. He was trying to like fit into the net system, kind of trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole type thing with like a plate discipline type deal. And I actually buy into the idea that he just had reached a point where it's just like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to go out there and just, you know, play the way that I, I know how to play and stop thinking too much. I mean, I think there's something to that.
0: Also, Wally Backman fixes swing.
1: Well, I'm not going to let's not do it. Okay. <laughs> Probably not, but so I, I believe that he's, he's uh, you know, I think that at the second half was for real. I think that you know, he was a top prospect uh, for a reason. And uh, I think he started to show it in the second half. And I'm, I'm excited for, for what he can do. I mean, I think that there's more upside there than even what he did last season. So, you, know, you take that, that bat, I mean, it doesn't take much to be, you know, a plus bat as a catcher. Um, and, and you want to see him improve defensively. Because right now, between blocking pitches and throwing out runners, um, I think he's actually uh, and the, the pitch framing, it doesn't make up for it. I think he's a net negative uh, defender right now, so he needs he does need to hit a little, um, so, and we'd like to see him improve the defense. But I'm uh, I'm bullish on, on Darnell this year.
0: Hey, quiz on opening day, Travis Darnell will be blank years old. Twenty six. You are correct.
1: He's, a, he's an old prospect. I mean, he kept getting
0: hurt. You know? He is. Um, and his, you know, if you look at his caught scaling percentages in the minors, which are not necessarily instructive, um, you know, they were between... You know, they were in the 26% for his career. In the upper minors, you know, 20, 30%, 27%, 30%. You know, he has a good arm. Um, so, if there's something mechanically there, I don't know. Again, I don't know that cost ceiling numbers in the minors are necessarily instructive, but he has the physical tools to be a good catch and throw guy. You know, many people, uh, Rob Castellano included, have written on the site sort of about the, the trade off for his good pitch framing numbers versus his pitch blocking ability. Uh, but I mean, he's an average catch-and-throw guy, and I'm not good at evaluating catcher defense. You know, the metrics obviously hated him last year because, for the most part, they don't take into account framing. Uh, defensive run saved had him at minus 15 as a defender last year. basically wiped out all his value as a hitter. But I think he'll hit. I'm fairly. I don't like. I said. I, I think if he gives you a full season of what he gave you last year, which is you know 240, 300, 415, and think there's maybe a little bit more in the tank there. But stop whining. I don't know what you want. You don't want to decide to come in here during my podcast. You can lay on the bed and talking to my dog. Obviously. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think. I I may have at some point in the offseason said, like, he was the most likely. I think we had an email question about, like, first time All Stars. I may have picked him as the most likely one just because of the lack of catching depth in the uh, National League beyond, like, you know, Mesorako and Posey, basically.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean,. Looking at baseball, baseball perspectives has a has a stat that shows blocking runs and framing runs, and so he was basically about neutral
0: between the two. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And then it doesn't factor in the, the you know, throwing out runners and stuff like that. He was below Probably average, slightly, slightly below average. Yeah, um, but yeah, if, if Darno can, I feel like at uh, about this time last year, uh, I was one of the things I was hoping for for the upcoming season was Darno breaking out, and and. Becoming that four or five war, uh, you know, catcher for the Mets, and I think that I just feel like that's very much within reach this year. All I I feel like all he has to do is just stay healthy and just continue the way to to play the way he did the second half, and and, and it'll happen.
0: We talked last week a little bit, sort of about with Wheeler going down to uh, to Tommy John surgery. So sort of one of those big breakouts they would need to really sort of put the, put a wild card birth in their sights this year was sort of off the table. And I think Darno sort of becoming that player, you know, that, you know, even if he hits, you know, 260, 320, 440, now it's not a 760 OPS catcher in that park. That's, um, I mean, even if he's a below-average defender, that's a massive player in 2015.
1: And you, like you said on the podcast before, it, it takes catchers a little longer to figure things out. Um, so he's going into, I guess, what is this? Is this his third season?
0: It's his third season, but I mean, he probably has like one season total of games under his right. belt. Right.
1: So I think you know, all the you know, all the signs are there to... Pointing towards him having a breakout this
0: year. Basically, talking about the backups.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who actually is in favor. I, I want, I want Paul to come up uh, sooner rather than later, uh, because I'm not a record guy. I mean, look, we all love the ass. yes. Okay, I mean, it's, we'll
0: get that out of the way early this week.
1: He's a good guy. Um, nothing against against him, but. He's he's not a great hitter. He's not a great defender. I mean, he can throw a guy out, but he's not a great framer. Um, I think that this team needs to try to squeeze every bit of value out of every position that they can. And I think...
0: You're saying this in the same week that Terry Collins announced that Lucas Tudor will be playing against lefties every day.
1: (laughs) Did he actually say that?
0: Oh, yeah, he said it. He said it.
1: can't... Right, we, we the prospect
0: hate man gave me a, gave me credit on Twitter for predicting it. It happened.
1: It's all because he hit that home run off of Sabathia. That's
0: that. why I said it when it happened on Twitter. But All this means is he's going to get another 75 at-bats against lefties he doesn't need to get.
1: Well, look, we can... That's That would be frustrating, but you know, we know with TC to not get worked up about Things that he says to get work over about things that he does. Right. Um, but I would. The backup catcher gets like 30 to 35 starts in a season. Uh, so I think that Polak is going to be an upgrade over Wrecker. So, you know, I'm going to be in favor of him coming up sooner rather than later this year because I think that the backup catcher is a huge weakness right now.
0: I don't disagree. Um, you know, kudos to Anthony Rucker for improving his defense and his catch-and-throw ability I'm working on it. Hopefully, he can, some of that might rub off on uh, on Travis Arneau, and he did have sort of... I mean, look at his home run log from last year, so it's going to be hilarious. So, Anthony Rucker hit seven home runs last year for the New York Mets. <laughs> So, five of those seven home runs came with the game tied, <laughs> and therefore gave the Mets the lead.
1: That might give people more of a favorable impression of him. Yes, like it's also a guy who hit two hundred one and had a two forty six on base.
0: Yes, that also happened.
1: See, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big, not a big record guy.
0: You're talking about Johnny Manel at all? I think that's going to happen, is it?
1: Uh... I saw him for the first time today, so I know what he looks like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's your Johnny Manel segment on the podcast. I think. I suppose I'm supposed to. What? How am I supposed to? He's a local guy, so I'm supposed to refer to him as. You can look this up. The Bronx's own, but he's probably where is he actually from? from Columbus High School. It just says Bronx, New York. doesn't help me. Went to Christopher Columbus High School. I don't know where that is in the Bronx, though. I don't know the Bronx very well. Let's see what Google has for me. Pelham. Pelham Parkway. Located in the Pelham Parkway. Pelham Parkway's own Johnny Manel Doesn't roll off the tongue like Whitestone's own Mike Baxter, though. So that was your catching preview. It's going to be Travis Darno and somebody. Hopefully mostly Travis Darno. and hopefully mostly a good Travis Darno. Before we wrap things up, on Amazing Avenue Audio episode 109, Greg Carum, IFK Gothenburg, is in the Svenska Cup and Finals. Ah. All right. They won their Gothenburg Derby. 3-1 over BK Hocken. I apparently the sure. finals aren't till May. I'm a little upset about that. I'm feeling the momentum. Yeah, we am to wait till May. The actual season does start in a couple of weeks.
1: I guess May's not that far away.
0: It's not, really. And uh, a lot of...
1: I, was, I was, actually did some research on Gothenburg and saw that they have a, uh, an, an American.
0: They do. Yes, he tweeted something about... Yeah. I talked I talk to our man on the ground, Anders, in Gothenburg, and apparently he's like their backup, fullback, so... It's weird that players end up in Sweden in a lot of cases, these American players. For whatever reason. The BK Hocken goalkeeper was American. I guess.
1: It's amazing that you go to Sweden. You probably can make it in the MLS. I
0: imagine. I don't know how well that pays. But if they win the Svenska Cup uh, that's, that's a path into Europe. Europa League qualifying. Very exciting.
1: You ever seen Gothenburg? I've, I'm looking at Gothenburg on the map. It's, it's like right
0: on the water there. I think ASA base is from there. That's all I know about it. I believe that. I believe that to be true. Or uh, I maybe just because John Darnell. I have a uh, live bootleg of John Darnell from the Mountain Goats doing a. Uh, I saw the sign, or the sign by ASA Base. Oh yeah, they're from Gothenburg, Sweden, according to Wikipedia. So there you go, home of ASA of Base and IFK Gothenburg. Hopefully, the two thousand fifteen uh, Svenska Cupen champions. Lasavibe scored another goal. <laughs> I think that gets. You sure you're that's. You
1: sure you're pronouncing that
0: right? Yes, it was, uh, yes, I am. I now know. I was pronouncing it wrong before. I was informed of the loss of eBay. My Danish is not very good. But uh, he's actually. He got it called up for the Denmark's international friendlies this week. So they're playing the US tomorrow. So I may be uh, sneaking a look at my watch ESPN app for that. See if they start him over Nicholas Bentner. Hopefully they do put the record, the May 17th in Gothenburg. They're gonna play Ourobro SK for Defense Cupen Championship.
1: We will, uh, we will we will cover that.
0: We will, absolutely. The Ourobro Sports Club, I guess. That's why it's SK. They do not have an American, as best I can tell. There are a couple Irish players. A Irish player. I'm looking at managers. Where's their current roster? They do not have an American. But uh, I have their fixture list. I haven't looked at it. That starts up uh, around April 5th. So there will be more IFK Gothenburg content to come on the show. I'd like say they—they their goal differential is 16 to 1 since we started. So we officially made them the soccer team of the podcast. That's pretty impressive power that we hold. I mean, granted, they were playing a lot of... they were playing. I shouldn't say they are playing a lot of lower division sides. Because they've beaten some pretty good teams. I mean, there were some, like... I think it was like a third division team. They beat 6-0 in there. But still, it's the Cup.
1: Can they qualify for the Champions League? Is that a thing?
0: They, if, they, if they win this, they get into the Europa League qualifiers. Not the Champions League. They have to win the Allsvenskan to get into the... Champions League There's only one spot For the The Allsvenskan, I assume
1: How are they doing in that?
0: That doesn't start till April They have a summer league Because it's Sweden
1: That That makes <laughs> sense
0: um, They finished second last year To Malmo FF Who I think didn't get out Of the group stage I think they do have A guaranteed spot I, I believe I'm actually going to look this up Probably should Well that yes, it's, it's not, not like it, stage. Uh Yeah, they don't have to go into Champions League qualifying if you win, though. Some of the sm- even smaller uh, leagues, like if you win the, I don't know, you know, the Cyprian League, you have to go into the qualifiers for the Champions League. They have an automatic spot into the group stage, I believe. If you win the Allsvenskan, games. So I believe Malmö was in there this year. I don't know what they go off of because it's a summer league. I don't know if they go off that. How they, if Malmo actually should have been, or is going to be in this year's Champions League because they have a summer league as opposed to a winter league of the rest of Europe. It's something I should probably research further. Yeah. Or tell Anders to email me this information. Yeah. <laughs> probably be more helpful and less time consuming on my part. That's not the only soccer news this week. I will get a Sheffield Wednesday plug in. They had a a South Yorkshire derby. That's not a South Yorkshire derby because no one cares about Rotherham United. But uh, it's Rotherham United's cup final, basically. Um, and Wednesday did not play well. They were down. had uh, kind of a listless first half. They gave up a crappy goal early in the second. Got a late equalizer immediately gave up another goal to go down 2-1, and then scored two goals in stoppage time to win 3-2. It was very exciting.
1: Um, So they were all excited that they were going to beat their big rival. Yeah, yeah. And you guys just kind of smacked them around and was like, no, no, no. no." Yep. Must have been enjoyable. Must have been nervous before that happened. (laughs)
0: Well, I don't know. Whatever. It's Rotherham. I can't get excited about Rotherham. It was just one of those, they scored an equalizer, then immediately gave up a a soft goal. Which was annoying, of course. And then Rotherham's manager, uh, Steve Evans, who's really annoying. And um, the best way I can describe him is he literally looks like Rob Ford. He's like the British Rob Ford. Ran onto the pitch going crazy. Then they immediately gave up two goals in stoppage time, including one in the 8th minute of stoppage time. He then, uh, he had a post-game press conference where he said, everyone, the chairman was crying, and we're going to play bigger teams in Sheffield Wednesday, and we don't train to play 97 minutes, all in the space of, like, two minutes. So that was amusing to me, personally. It was a good win for a team that's been lacking in good wins lately. But it's still not a derby, though. I don't care what anybody says. The only derbies I recognize are Sheffield United, um, Leeds United, and I guess Barnsley. Rotherham and Huddersfield don't count. That's my stance. All right. We should also plug the live show, which I officially actually posted something about on the site today. Yeah. And freaked everyone out because Eric used the breaking news tag for something other than a UCL tear.
1: Yeah. I got freaked out. I saw the yellow and, and black and I was like, uh-oh. We will be
0: live at Foley's April 11th 3 p.m. Greg will be there. Chris will be there. I'll be there. Beer will be there. Um, I I guess I can announce it because he seems. I had a conversation with him and he's he's amenable. Coming out uh, since it's the first week of the season. I decided we needed a an expert on those early season games, and those early season uh, statistical markers. Oh, go. And how meaningful they are. So I got the. Uh, the small sample size expert, Ted Burke, will be a guest on the show, and we'll do the usual rigmarole as well with your uh, your live emails, where you talk into the mic instead of emailing us. We have hopefully a slightly better audio setup than we had last time. I have a plan. Um, so yeah, it was okay. I spent a lot of time in post and Audacity fixing it though <laughs> to get it to that point. So, hopefully, we'll uh, be able to skip that step on my end this time. So, yes, yeah, so come on by, drink some beer, listen to us uh, chat Mets Baseball. And of course, you can also see me May 28th, the Pitch Talks thing in Midtown. Tickets are now on sale for that. So, you can jump all over that. We'll plug it on the site at some point. I've been lazy about it. So. That is a thing you can do. And that's about all I got. Adam Rubin is reporting that the, to the surprise of no one that the uh, Sand Nats were going to cease operations in October and move to Columbia. Which, to the surprise of no one. It's too bad. I'll have to make a point of getting down there this year. I was probably going to anyway. but Yeah,
1: that's too bad. But, probably going to get a nicer facility or something there, so.
0: Yeah, I like a nice new stadium. Columbia's okay, I guess. I can sneak over to Charleston and go to Husk and McCready's. A place I've never heard of. They're uh, Sean Brock's restaurants, they're supposedly excellent. I've heard good
1: things about Charleston
0: though. Yeah, it's a nice town. Is that about it? I think that's all we got. Yep. yep. Got a couple more previews to go NLE's previews Not position previews We covered all of those I guess at some point we'll have to give like our official predictions for the Mets season I predict pain
1: <laughs> Oh come on
0: To, That's not actually the direct quote From uh, Clover Lang It's so, like prediction Pain Pain Yeah that's true of every med season. Yeah, except for a couple, I guess. Yeah, except for a couple. You can say the same thing with the podcast. Pretty painful, except for a couple. Was this one of them? You'll have to be the judge. But as we do, we'll, uh, we'll be back again next week for another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio.